0: My name is Mickey, your host of i Barista Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Ashley Rodriguez, founder of the Boss Barista Podcast, one of the top barista podcasts in the U.S. Ashley has worked her way up through the world of coffee, from being a barista on Times Square to campaigning for changes to be made around low wages and tipping in the coffee world. She's never shying away from confronting problems the barista world has. Ashley openly discusses topics such as worker exploitation, healthcare issues, and poor compensation for those in the coffee business. And during the pandemic, she has drawn attention to the coffee crops that were left unused. She challenges every issue in every sector of the coffee industry, from farmers to roasters, baristas, and cafe owners. Ashley wants to use her podcast to raise the awareness of those problems. Now situated in Madison, Ashley has been able to focus on her podcast as well as her work as a freelance writer. She's building a strong audience that stands behind her as well as having the opportunity to support her local coffee community. So Ashley, welcome to I'm podcast. I have to say I'm a big fan of your podcast and I've been listening to it for a while... I really enjoy all the episodes that you were interviewing different people for the coffee community. But today is all about you, the person behind the Boss Barista. So let's talk about you.
1: Yeah. So my name is Ashley Rodriguez. Uh, I am the host of a podcast called Boss Barista. Um, and I'm also a coffee writer. I've been a barista since 2010. Um, I was a teacher and I hated it. I was really lost and I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And I ended up applying for a job as a barista a couple places and I didn't get hired anywhere. And I ended up working at this one coffee shop in Times Square in New York, in Manhattan. It was maybe the busiest place I could have thought to go work, uh, but that's where I got started. And that was, like I said, 2010.
0: Wow. 12 years in a coffee industry. You did choose a good place to start a coffee career. So what happened after that?
1: Yeah. So I worked at this coffee shop in Times Square and I got a pretty sound introduction to high volume very quickly. Um, so we made, you know, hundreds of drinks an hour. Um, we were so busy. There were nine people behind the bar. Um, and it was a very like Starbucks sort of experience. Um, we wore uniforms, we had, uh, flavored syrups, like we had caramel macchiatos, like the whole, the whole deal. Um, but I ended up really liking the process of making coffee. Like I liked having like systems. I liked having um, like flows that worked really well. There was this one person I worked on bar with. Her name is Perla, and she's still maybe the best bar um, like partner I've ever had. And I really loved when I would be on shots and she would be on milk, and we would just work together in this like really beautiful harmony. Um, and I think that that's something that I had never really had before in any job that I worked. I was twenty three at the time. And then I wanted to learn more about coffee. So I jumped around to a couple of coffee shops in the New York city area. Um, I lived there for six years, five of them doing coffee. And then I took a job in San Francisco in 2015 to be a coffee trainer. Cause I thought that that was kind of the next step. Um, but, um, maybe, maybe that's something that, uh, I can like touch on a little bit as as a, not, not necessarily advice, but um, just because a job has a fancy title doesn't mean it's necessarily a step up because it ended up being for me a lot more difficult than my other coffee jobs were. Um, it paid less um, just because I didn't think about the cost of living in San Francisco. Um, and it just it, it just wasn't the job that I thought it was going to be. And I should have asked better questions about it. So I worked there for a year. Then I ended up managing a coffee shop in Oakland and I worked and kind of jump around Oakland for a while. And then I moved to Chicago in 2017. And at that point, I really struggled. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I worked at a couple of coffee shops. I worked um, as a food runner at a restaurant, which I'd never done before, which like baristas I think are just going to be good at that kind of work. Um, I ended up taking to it really quickly just because I was really good at seeing like 20 things in front of me and being like, I can do this. Um... And then um, I decided to do full-time freelance work. Uh, So that was uh, early this year. So now I'm a full-time freelance writer and it's been going really great. It helps me kind of live out some of the values that I've talked about on Boss Barista, which I started in 2017 um, and I've been doing copywriting since 2013.
0: It sounds like coffee brought you to different cities in the US. Um, My question will be, which city do you like the most?
1: I think... If I could afford to live in San Francisco, I think I would have liked San Francisco the best. But San Francisco is so expensive.
0: Definitely, San Francisco is a great place for especially coffee and have very strong coffee community there. Um, I want to ask you, what stopped you being a barista?
1: I, I, I think that I felt like I'm a person who says yes to everything, like. Unfortunately, like I don't I don't know how to say no. I'm getting better at it now. Um, but at that time, um, I guess I probably stopped being behind the bar probably in like 20, 2018, 2019. I think I felt dual pressure to be an adult. Like I was in my thirties at that point, I didn't have health insurance. Um, and I think I felt this pressure to to do something that felt more adult-like, which is a false narrative. That's a false dichotomy. It's a false thing that I think gets presented to baristas. But the truth of the matter is that most jobs in the United States that are barista jobs don't offer health insurance, don't offer benefits. Um, that's, just, that's just part of it.
0: That doesn't sound so good, barista without health care. Is this still the same nowadays?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are certain places that do. Um, There are big companies that do. Um, And that's part of it, too, is that you have to work for a big company for that to be kind of true, to get health insurance. And that wasn't something that I was super interested in. And as Boss Barista became more interesting to me, I wanted to focus on that more. Um, And I think I just also wanted to work for myself. Um, I've had so many bad experiences with bosses that at one point I was just like, maybe I just need to step away from formal employment. like Maybe I just need a break from it. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to going back behind the bar, but I don't think that that's... I think I would just be more cautious and more careful about investing so much of my energy behind the bar.
0: Of all these years in the coffee industry um, today, how do you feel about making the first choice, becoming a barista, and do you think it was the right decision?
1: I wish it was. Like I wish that being a barista was the best choice because I do think it is. I love being behind the bar. I think that the 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 pleasure of working a bar with other people is un, unprecedented and there's a camaraderie that builds between you and customers that's really beautiful. Um but as a barista, I never got paid more than like $13 an hour. So there's that that toughness to it. And I also felt like I worked at places where I've had multiple managers or multiple bosses tell me like they don't know how to make coffee. And I felt like, well, if my labor is the labor that's generating money, I'm making coffee. Like, what are you doing? Like, I just I like, just couldn't I just couldn't like wrap my head around that. I remember I worked one place. I was the manager there and I had never taken a sick day. And I had a friend who. Needed to go to the hospital. And so I took him. He lost vision in one eye. And I texted my boss. I was like, I can't open. I have to go take my friend to the hospital. And my boss got so mad at me because they couldn't open the cafe because my boss didn't know how to make coffee. And I was like, what's there's a problem here. Like I'm getting paid peanuts and you're making money off of my labor, but you can't physically open the coffee shop without me. Like there's a problem here. Um, So I think I got kind of just burnt out by that.
0: By the way, did you get your health insurance in the end?
1: I've fought for my own health insurance at my last coffee shop job, but I had to do it in a guilt. I had to guilt my boss or I had to guilt the owner because the owner was my boss. Um, So it was me. I was the manager. And then there were a couple of other baristas. There was like three or four baristas. It was a really small shop. And I asked my boss, I was like, you have health insurance, right? You have health insurance through this shop, right? Like, what does it say to you that you have health insurance and I do not? So, like, that was, the, that was the only way that I was able to get health insurance. But, like, it felt bad to be able to, to like, guilt someone into doing it. You know what I mean?
0: I believe having health insurance in many countries, um, well, it depends on which country you're living in. It, it could be very, very different. Um, based on my personal experience, I used to live in Denmark. Everybody has a health insurance. And as long as you pay your tax, you get a proper job. I think many people don't understand being a barista is not that easy. It's not just you stand behind a bar making coffee. It's a demanding and physical job. It's also very challenging because you always need to perfect that cup of coffee, right? And, and I know baristas often have many issues with their backs, hands raised, and legs. So having health insurance is definitely very, very necessary. So, what happened after that? Did you start your podcast directly after that?
1: So I was actually still working as a barista when I started it. Uh, It was something that kind of started as an idea in 2016. I did a series for Barista Magazine on Coffee Podcast. Um, That's back when I was their online editor. And I've always really liked audio as a storytelling form, but I'd never really explored it. And I reached out to a couple people that had started a coffee podcast and the response that i got from them was pretty negative um they had said some stuff on their podcast that was really weird and a little bit misogynistic and i thought like if these clowns can do it so can i so i started i literally just like borrowed um an h h4n recorder which is like the recorder that i'm using right now i borrowed one from a friend of mine and i just started recording and like to be totally frank like those Early episodes are bad. Like they're not super good. Um we were still really trying to figure out like how do you record two people at a time? How do you record? Like I didn't know what Zencaster was until like 2018. Um so we'd call people on Skype or we would call people on the phone and record it. Um we just had no idea how to do it. So we were still trying to figure things out. This is with my co-host Jasper um at the time. She was a uh, part of the show until about 40 episodes in. Um she is a community organizer in San Francisco now and And I feel like at first it was just this like source of frustration, like being able to vent about what in the coffee industry frustrated me. And then it slowly evolved into long form interviews that focus on people who we don't hear from a lot. I'd like to think that like the people that are on my show are all so intelligent, so smart and have things to say that like need to be talked about more. Um, So we have an episode coming up about past crop coffee, especially during the pandemic, where like warehouses are full of green coffee because sales were not as expected. So like, what do we do with past crop coffee? And, you know, we talk about tipping a lot. We talk about, um, you know, farmers um, who are frustrated with like white roasters coming to origin and like trying to forge relationships. That might be false. So So that's kind of the direction that Boss Barista has gone. And so it's like for the last four years, um, it's definitely evolved and changed. I imagine it will continue to evolve
0: and change. You are doing a wonderful job that you really raised awareness of so many problems in the coffee industry through your podcast. I want to ask, what is the most challenging thing you ever faced in your podcasting career?
1: Yeah, Um, I think I've really struggled between the personal and the And the impartial, like who, like what is boss barista is boss barista me or is it beyond me? And I think that both are true, but I have found that the closer I get to the things that I care about. So if like, like if I'm struggling to figure out what is interesting to me or what I want to talk about, um, I'll often go inward, and I think that that's counterintuitive to how you think about presenting something to a large audience, right? Like, you want to pick things that are popular or things that people are talking about. And oftentimes, I try to pick things that I am excited about because I know, number one, if I'm excited about it, someone else is. Like, that thats that doesn't mean that, like, just because I'm not hearing about it doesn't mean that it's not popular, or maybe people are waiting for somebody to talk about it. Um, but secondly, that interviewing is a 50 50 relationship and I am part of the interview and that's what makes them compelling is the relationship that you build in this really short period of time with somebody else. Um, I was actually watching, um, have you ever seen hot ones? It's this, um, interview show with a guy named Sean Evans and it's on YouTube. And he asks these really, really personal questions. Like he gets really deep. He does a ton of research on people, but they eat hot wings. As they do it and they but they get progressively and progressively hotter and like they're funny and they're light, but they're also incredibly interesting. And I think what Sean Evans has like really nailed down is the idea of like. Sean is part of the interview. Like he is creating a shared experience between these two people. Um, and I even thought about that. I was like, what shared experience could I create between me and my guest? especially if we're not in the same place? Like maybe, maybe I need to do a cupping challenge with everyone. Like right before we start talking, like something that kind of like builds, um, a sense of relationship between the two people. Because I think that that's, what's most exciting about podcasting is that you get to have a really pointed conversation with somebody And it's allowed, like you're allowed to ask questions and you're allowed to be curious and and curiosity is encouraged.
0: Thanks for sharing. I think there are some good tapes there that I can learn. So talking about building this relationship with your guests, what is your secret sauce for that? Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Um, I think being genuinely curious um, and asking questions and not being judgmental. Um, I actually took a lot from this one episode of, I watch a lot of TV. Um, (laughs) I took a lot of inspiration from this one episode of Ted Lasso, which is this Apple TV show. And one of the things he says is the different, like it's something about the difference between certain people is that some are judgmental and some are curious or something like that. And I realized like as a barista, as a young barista, it was really easy to be judgmental. It was really easy to say like, oh, actually, like we don't serve caramel macchiatos or actually we only have like, but it's like, Why is this person asking me this question? Like, be curious. Ask them like, oh, is a caramel macchiato like your favorite drink? Like, this is something that's kind of similar. Like, I think just being genuinely curious about where people are at is really, really hard because it's really easy to make judgments. It's really easy to assume things. Um, And asking a question is a lot harder. Um, And I like I'm grateful to the podcast for making me more curious. So I think that that's honestly, that's like the only secret I have also like. I, I don't know. I love hanging out with babies and people bring their babies to the coffee shop and I love that, so.
0: I totally agree with the part that you need to be curious so you can be more open-minded. And um, for most baristas, is there anything that I can do to be, you know, reach that status, to be more open-minded and not judging?
1: I would say so. And I think it doesn't require you to change you. You know what I mean? Like you can still be an introvert. You can still be quiet. You don't have to be this like bubbly personality to give good customer service. Um, and you also don't have to be that person to like survive at work. Um, I just did an episode with a person named Brittany Sims and they were talking about how you're human at work. So bring that humanity to work. People want to see your humanity and people want people interested in their own humanity. So like asking a question is always is always going to be an opening of a door. I think very rarely have I asked a question where someone was unwilling to answer it um, or maybe that I like was too personal. But like, if you know someone's bummed out, it's like, hey, like, what's up? Like, do you want a cookie? Like, also just like give away free shit. Um, I'm always, I'm always like, well, I'm always just like, there's no it's like someone drops their drink and like you don't give them a free drink to replace their drink like what do you do and come on but that's 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 a managerial uh hiccup that i I've, I've noticed at some coffee shops where i'm like oh um you have to empower your baristas to make your customers feel good and give them um a drink if like you mess theirs up anyway um that's a pet peeve of mine but i think just asking questions and um being willing to ask questions like in a way that feels safe and appropriate to you i think is really like the only thing
0: that i've learned So the first step to empower baristas as a coffee shop owner, you need to give your barista proper health insurance first. Well, we know that the pandemic has changed so many things since since last year. And then baristas not being a barista anymore is the major thing in the coffee industry. Many baristas choose to change their career. Maybe they become a freelancer, programmer, and some decide to twist their career a little bit From being a barista serving coffee behind a bar, now they are creating videos or writing articles about coffee or sharing their knowledge. So any tips from you, personal experience, that I can help these baristas who are exploring their career?
1: Totally. I would say that number one is just to start writing. There's so many free platforms to write. Like I write my newsletter on a Substack, um, and I don't get paid for it. So just like start plot, like jotting down ideas. Um, it doesn't have to be fully formed. Um, I'm definitely of the mindset that like you write and then what you, what you actually present is like what's edited. So I often will just like write and then wake up the next morning and be like, what what was this? Podcasting now more than ever is so easy to get into. Um, I host my podcast on an app called Anchor, and that's free. It's on your phone. You can record it on your phone. Um, there's music that's free and available to use. I think it's easy to get caught up in the idea of perfection, especially as baristas, because we're taught to perfect our shots, to like nail an extraction. But like the creative process is different. Like you have to screw up a couple of times and you will grow. Like I said, like my first couple of episodes of Boss Barista were were bad. (laughs) Like they were just bad. Um, And I've learned so much just by doing. And I could not have learned to do Boss Barista if I hadn't made the first iteration of the show.
0: This reminds me a good saying that a thousand miles journey begins with a single step. So it doesn't matter what you do. You just Mm -hmm. need to get started and think that's that's the golden rule. Get it started. Yeah. Especially in the 21st century, where you have access to all the information you need. There are online courses, Skillshare, or you can just simply Google or check YouTube videos.
1: It's so much easier today. But like, if you ever want help, like, please email me.
0: I will help you. It is so nice of you. Thank you so much. We know that you are a. You have your own boss barista. In addition to that, you also have your freelancing job. And um, tell us more about what is your typical day like. Um,
1: I I am like not necessarily a super productive person. Um, I'm not like I'm not great. I'm not great at having a schedule. Um, so like I work like I have to set deadlines for myself. I have to set um, like certain parameters for me to get work done. Um, sometimes when an editor tells me like, "Oh, I have no deadline for this," I'm like, "No, please." Please give me a deadline. I need a deadline. Um, So generally, I try to write for like three to four hours a day, kind of depending on what what I have on my docket. Today is actually a really interesting day because I have an interview with you. And then at 910, I have another interview for a story that I'm doing. Um, And then at 11, I'm recording a podcast episode. Um, That's atypical. I don't usually have that much recording. And I try to almost always space out my recording time or like my face to face time with people. But I try to spend at least a couple of hours a day writing. Um, I have three actually hard rules for my life. I don't always follow them, but I try to walk at least like 10,000 steps. And I know the 10,000 steps means nothing, but it's just like a nice metric for me. Um, I try to walk 10,000 steps a day. I try to do yoga every day. Um, and I try to read fifty pages of a book every day. I don't always do it by by no means, but I feel like focusing on like the personal parts of my life and the things that enrich my life um, make me more productive about like my my other stuff. So, like I said, it's, I
0: yeah. have no idea how you manage to do so many things a day. Uh, obviously, you pay more attention to your mental health and the physical health. And mm-hmm. so those things are very important, especially in pandemic, where you cannot really you have to change your lifestyle. I know that you were recently uh, relocated to a new city. Moving always means a lot of changes coming after. So what is going to happen next? And what is your plan for the future?
1: Um, so we're in Madison, Wisconsin right, right now. Um, we just moved literally like a week ago. Um, my partner works for Ruby Coffee Roasters, which is what I'm drinking In here. And that's they're based in Nelsonville, Wisconsin. So they're only like about an hour and a half from Madison. But from Chicago, where I was living originally, they're a little bit further. So we wanted to be a little bit closer. Um, And also the pandemic kind of showed us that we didn't need to live in a big city. I went full time freelance for in January. Um, But before that, I worked for a beer website and I was going into an office um not during the pandemic we shut down because during the pandemic but i'd never i'd never done that like i'd never just like worked for myself full time and i have so so much writing that i do and it was just a matter of like making my life work i do have an anchor client i should mention that so not all the writing that i do is coffee related i do not make a living just on copywriting
0: Oh, was good to know uh, diversifying your income resources is very important nowadays
1: um that's that's good to that, i feel like that's super important to clarify I do like anchor work. So I have uh, like a cohort of designers who I talk to. If they ever need someone to do copywriting work, then I'm brought in to do that. So I write a lot about like things that are just like just not copy related at all, but their clients who are well paying um, and pay on time. So if you're, if you want to be a freelance writer, I would, I would highly suggest finding an anchor client. Um, and you can, you can start kind of anywhere with that. Um, I talk to your designer friends. They probably know people who need copywriters, but if that's not the case, um, there are websites that I kind of hate like Fiverr and stuff like that. But like, if you really want to get your foot in the door, that kind of might be an okay place to start. I wouldn't recommend it if you can avoid it, but yeah. So I'm hoping to do more full-time freelance work. I'm hoping to be more connected to my community. Um, we're in a very like walkable neighborhood right now. I actually went to a wine store A couple of days ago, and someone was wearing a cocoa cinnamon T-shirt, which is a roaster in North Carolina. And I was like, oh, I know those people. And they're like, yeah, we're coffee people, too. And it was just like, I was like, this this is great. So it was really nice to build that connection. So I think that like my goal living here in Madison is to focus, obviously, more on my freelance writing work, have a kind of a lower cost of living just because, you know, Chicago is a huge city to build a little more community just because Madison's a lot smaller. It's a city of two thousand two hundred thousand people. Chicago is a city of nine million
0: Coffee is always about the connection, isn't it? So we have talk about your career, how you started from the beginning, from a birthday, and then having your own podcast right now. And next, let's talk about coffee itself. What coffee do you drink every day or how do you brew oh. coffee?
1: <laughs> I am the laziest. Um, so my partner wakes up significantly earlier than I do. And he brews coffee at like six in the morning. And I will drink whatever is in the coffee pot. So usually it's something from Ruby Coffee, just because that's where he works. Um, but I'm also part of a project called the Matchbook Coffee Project. Um, and we do, we have coffees that we bring in every month. Um, so sometimes it's one of those, but almost always I'm drinking drip coffee that my, co- my partner brewed at like three hours earlier. Um, and, and yeah, I don't, I'm not fussy. Like I don't, I don't really care. As long as I get coffee in the morning, I'm fine. Like I'm, I do live next to a coffee shop now, which is really exciting, though.
0: So, do you brew coffee at home at all? Because you know you're you're the host of a boss barista, and it's kind of surprising to hear that you don't do coffee yourself.
1: I don't honestly, if I don't, if I don't, but because Jesse's up earlier than I am, I usually don't. But if he's not here, I will usually brew myself coffee um, or I will go out or I I will make it a point to like go somewhere. My friend owns a coffee shop here in Madison called Bradbury's Coffee. Um, So when I first moved here, I was there every day. And like I said, there's a coffee shop right next to me. Um, But like if he's not here, I might take that as an excuse to like go go do coffee somewhere else.
0: You are lucky that you have some good coffee shops very close to you. Um, I want to ask, do you consider yourself now as a freelancer or a entrepreneur? And how do you see the difference between the two?
1: I think that they're both kind of not necessarily the exactly the same. Like it's not the same. It's not two circles, but it's certainly like a Venn diagram of overlapping, stuff like that. Um, So I think... For me freelancing has been has been good um just because I feel like so much of my values about work and bosses haven't really been actualized. I have a lot of feelings about how power dynamics work at work and I very rarely have experienced leadership in a way that feels true and meaningful to like the needs of staff and workers. But yeah, I think like freelancing requires a lot of planning which I struggle with and it also requires a lot of flexibility. So like there are days where I'll like wake up and I'm like, oh, I actually don't have a ton to do today. Um, I need to catch up on invoicing or, oh, I have an article due tomorrow. I guess I'm going to be up all night working on this. And as a writer, um, I think something that I've had to learn a lot about is how to take criticism and how to adapt my responses to people in different ways. So like, I have an editor at Standart who I love. His name is Luke Adams. Um, and I love working with him because he is willing to like edit my work And just like go for it. And I trust him completely. Every edit he's made has been outstanding. Um, And I think that we have a really good working relationship because I trust him completely. And he knows that he has my trust to make edits. Uh, But then there are other editors who are going to be like, I didn't like this piece. And you're like, well, what about it did you not like? And you kind of just have to guess. So I think being adaptable and flexible to like criticism has been probably the thing that I've learned the most about as a freelancer.
0: Is there any plan for Boss Barista and how do you want to develop this plan for him in the future?
1: Um, I don't know. Um, I hope that Boss Barista actually makes money. That would be cool. Um, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, not really. I have a Patreon, but I, you know, it's about, I make about $450 per month on the Patreon. Half of that I dedicate to, um, community resources. So half of that gets donated immediately. And then the other half, um, is upkeep. So like, My microphone, my website, Um, I do transcripts of every episode. So paying I do like an automatic transcription and then I'll then I'll clean it up and do it myself so that there's that upkeep. I'm starting to finally um, get a couple of sponsors and by a couple, I mean one. Uh, no, two. I've had two. Um, so that's exciting. Um, it would be great if I can make Boss Barista a little more sustainable um, just because I spend maybe a quarter of my workload on Boss Barista for the fact that I don't get paid a quarter of my workload for Boss Barista. And then um, I would like to be just writing more coffee stuff. So I do a couple of articles for Serious Eats. Where I review coffee equipment, um, and that's been really cool. And then I really want to get more into photography, because uh, my latest article for Standart, I took the photos for the for the article that I wrote. Um, and that was really, really cool, and I think it just made it like a holistic experience. So as a journalist, as someone who writes, it would be great to be able to contribute photography for each piece.
0: That's awesome. And then you can do podcasting. So actually you can do a lot.
1: Whole multimedia conglomerate here.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you can write, you can take photos, podcasting. And next you can do videos too. So I do uh, two scares review. So perfect together. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, One last question. Name three things you like most.
1: Oh gosh. I love my dog. I love chicken nuggets.
0: Chicken Nuggets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, though, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I have the palate of a seven-year-old. I love, um, and what else do I love? I guess I love, no, I was going to say I love yoga, but that's not true. Um, I like, I like, like it. I do it every day, but I don't love it. Um, And I also, I also, I think that this is maybe a surprise. I love being alone. I love spending time by myself.
0: Okay. In that case, you consider an introverted person? I would say so. What you do? You I don't do come do off as I, so it's I definitely the opposite. You have to be really open, right?
1: I just, I love point, totally, but I think that that's different than, I, I I think podcasting is, and interviewing is all about like having a pointed conversation, you know, like there's no small talk when you're doing podcasting. Like you get to ask like really interesting questions um, and that's kind of the premise of the podcast, so
0: you're right asking the right questions is super important in podcasting thank you for sharing that and also thank you for spending the time to join us and, and producing this uh, episode so it's so nice to talk to you to learn more about you is there anything else that I didn't ask but you would like to share or to mention
1: uh no I'll just you know follow boss barista podcast on Instagram and listen to the show and email me if you ever have any questions about getting into freelance writing so
0: Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank
1: you so much for tuning in to the I'm Not A Barista podcast, where people get inspired and connected through coffee stories. If you want to join our community, then please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on our Instagram to get connected. Until next time, keep smiling. And most importantly,
0: keep drinking coffee.